Welcome to Restoration Church. At Restoration, we focus on reaching the lost, reviving their lives with the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, and restoring hearts, minds, relationships through the power of the gospel. We are a church equipping and empowering the body of Christ to reach their full potential in Christ. We are led by Pastor Rex and Jennifer Hare. We hope you are encouraged by this morning's sermon. I've been really, the last week or so, two weeks, I've been praying about this thing called faith. You know, uh, how many of us know that faith is a very relative word nowadays? Come on. You hear people talk about, well, I have faith. When you go on the news and you'll hear the reference or any media, it'll say they're a person of faith. Today I want to talk about what faith means to the Christian, to the believer. I just want us to talk about what faith means today. I want to talk to you on the subject of transferable faith. How many of you have a bank account and a savings account? I mean, it's like the opportunity, this most awesome thing in the world, keeps a lot of checks or bouncing on a lot of people, that you can go to your savings account and you can transfer money from one account to the other by just going online. How many of you like to do that? Come on, that's a, that's a, that's a, a, a tool that you can use, but Today, I want to talk to you about being able to transfer our faith. I want us to talk about what Paul, the Apostle Paul, made a charge to Timothy. And he, everybody knows what the King James says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. He said, Timothy, I want you to stir up the gift that's been planted in you. I want you to stir it up. I want you to fan in the flame what was planted into you by your grandmother. And your mother. Let's read uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. If y'all stand with us for the reading of the word. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5, verses 5 through 7. I have been reminded of your sincere faith. This is the Apostle Paul writing a letter to Timothy. Of your sincere faith, which, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. I am persuaded now lives in you also. So Paul is charging Timothy or exhorting and encouraging Timothy. He says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you, through the laying on of hands. And verse 7, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Stretch your hands this way and ask God to anoint us for the preaching and teaching this word. Father, we love you. We're humbled to be in, stand in your sacred desk today. We ask you that you would anoint us and give us clarity, Holy Spirit, by your power to preach and teach your word today, God, that we'd not only be able to be hearers of your word, but we would be more than anything else, obedient and doers of your word today, God. And I pray that you would help us to convey this to your people, that you would be edified and your church would be glorified. And you would know, we know if that happens, God, you will draw all men unto you. And we ask you to do that today. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And all the church said amen, amen. and amen. Amen. Today I'm going to talk to you for the, on, about the topic of faith. I want to talk to you about what faith really is. We hear a lot of cliches about faith. We talk about all the time. They're a person of faith. How many knows that there's many different faiths in the world? Come on. There's the Muslim faith. There's the Hindu faith. There's the Mormon faith. Come on. There's the New Age faith. There's something called the progressive Christian faith. We're going to talk about some of these today. But how many of us know that the Bible tells us that Jesus said himself, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except for me. Isn't that what he said? No one. There's no options. So we're going to talk other options besides Jesus this morning. The King James said that Apostle Paul told Peter, uh, excuse me, Timothy, he said, stir up the faith that's in you. Stir up the gift that's in you. So what was Paul saying to Timothy? Your grandmother and your mother planted something in you. How many of us want our children to live for Jesus? That's a no-brainer. That they want to have you want your children to have a strong faith. But how many knows in the times that we live in, we've got to have something that's real and that's powerful and that's transferable. Amen. Amen. I, I got a bank account at uh, one of our credit unions here in the state. 
And I can go transfer money from my checking, my savings account to my checking account or vice versa. I can transfer that because it's transferable. But how many of you know you can't transfer something that you don't have? Come on. If I don't have money in my savings account, I can't take money there and put it in my checking account to cover a check or debt. Come on, I can't do that. Or transaction. But how many of you know that they, as Christians, we need to have something that's real that will transfer to our children? Come on. Yes. How many of us know today that we need to be a people of like mind and of faith? Let's talk about this word called faith. Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things not seen and the evidence of things hoped for. Now faith is. That's what Apostle Paul said. He said, Now faith is the substance of things not seen. The evidence of things hoped for. How many ever hoped for something at Christmas? I mean, let's go back for a moment. I know we're a few months away from Christmas. About 10 of them to be exact. Nine and a half, 10 months. But how many used to want something and long for something at Christmas? And those last two months of the year, you're going to be good, right? You're going to try to make mom and dad forget about all the bad. Come on, let's be real with that. We're going to try to be good those last couple of months because we know we can get something called brownie points, Cody. And we might be able to actually get something good for Christmas. I used to ask mom when I was a little big boy, I said, Mom, what are you going to get me for Christmas this year? And she would just look at me and wink and smile and say, a bundle of switches because you've been so bad. Now, mom was not being a prophet and a prophetic, but I was pretty bad at times. But you know, I had brothers that were worse than me, and they're not, maybe they're not listening today, but you know, I just got blamed for a lot of things I did and crimes I didn't commit, right, Cody? We just got, I'm sure, I mean, we're not going to go into that. I'm sure Beastie never done anything wrong. But you know, the girls never did. But we're going to move on so we don't dig a hole right here. But we all tried to clean things up the last couple of months before Christmas because we had an expectancy that our parents were going to get us something for Christmas. How many of you parents you love to get your kids something nice? That you get great joy out of watching your kids. My kids are 24 and 20 now, but I still love to watch them open presents. I still like to throw Colin a curveball, you know. We used to put Colin's gifts in, and I had preached on me at least two weeks ago. We used to, we used to put Colin's gifts in a big box, and Cody would, would put something in like socks or underwear or t-shirt or something, you know, and he wanted that game or something, you know, for Christmas. But we disguised it, Dave, because we wanted to make it fun. How many, how many's ever had fun at your kids' expense? Some of you new parents, you will down the road. You're gonna get anointed on that. You will down the road. But we wanted to get something, and we had an expectancy to get it, and we wanted to watch our kids. We wanted we 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 worked hard to give our kids what we what we could, so they would be surprised and excited. And we like to throw them a curveball. How many just know that things don't always happen the way we want them to happen? I just know that God don't always give us what we want. The Bible tells us that He will give us, He will supply all of our needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Now, wants and needs are two different things. How many agree with that? There's some things I want, but there's also some things that God knows that I need. What I need more than anything else is a faith that's so strong that I can transfer it to my children and my children's children. That's the kind of faith that we need today. And so, well, Pastor, tell us a little bit about faith. The Bible says that faith is the uh, famous, actually famous pastor said these words the other day as I was listening to him. He said, faith is the currency of heaven. He also said, praise is the language of faith. How many believe that? We come in here on Sunday morning, we have a 30 or 35 minute, 25 to 35 minute session of praise and worship on Sunday morning. We get all hyped and ready to hear the word. But how many knows it's going to take more than hype on Sunday morning to get us there? Yes, we got to have a true faith. We got to have something real. Psalms 22 3 says that God inhabits the praise of his people. How many of us know today that you don't have to be in church to praise God? You can praise God in a ladder stand. You can praise God in a, in a hospital. Come on. You can praise God at a grave site. Come on. You can praise God wherever you at. Come on. You don't have to be in a church setting, but how many of us know that there's seasons in our life when it's hard to praise God? Come on. There's times when I come in here on Sunday morning and things don't look the way I think they're going to look or go the way I think they're going to go, and I, and I begin to to be able to look at my life differently because of the situation. Y'all looking at me like you're looking at a new day this morning. But some of you have done the same thing. Something can happen in your life and we begin to contemplate, oh, 
Am I really living good enough? Let me say this today. You don't have to live good enough. Jesus paid the price for you to have salvation that's full and free. But hear me today, church. Everything else besides salvation that you get, you will have to work for. Amen. I said, well, Pastor, I thought it wasn't about works. It was about the gift of God. It is. But everything else, once you enter a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ, there is an enemy of your soul called Satan. Come on, y'all going to help me today? He wants to kill, steal, and destroy everything you have. Not because of who you are, but because of who you are in Christ Jesus. Y'all help me. It ain't that he just hates you, but he hates everything associated with the name of Jesus. Come on. You know, when Jesus got off the boat and the, the man full of the legion of demons come up to him and said, Oh, I know who you are. You're the son of the Most High God. Why do you come here to torture us, son of the Most High God? He wasn't, them demons wasn't bragging on God. They were kind of making fun of him. But they knew who he was. Can I tell you today that if you're a genuine believer in Jesus Christ, you carry the torch of faith, the devil knows who you are. Come on. The Bible tells us that, that the devil knows who we are. He knows us by who our identity is and our righteousness in Christ Jesus. You see, whenever we see miracles happen, how many of love to read the Bible and read about the miracles that happen? How the water was turned into wine. How the Red Sea was divided. How the children of Israel had a pillow of fire to guide them. And, and smoke and clouds to, to overshadow. Come on, y'all hear about this? What about when, the, when uh, Elijah called on God and he dipped up, and God sent down fire and rained down fire and it, and it consumed the sacrifice, even the water that he poured to wet the sacrifice. We like hearing about miracles, but every time, there was a miracle in the word of God. And every time we see a miracle in our life, somebody believed God in faith. Come on. Because we understand that faith moves God. And I'm going somewhere with this. The Bible says in Hebrews, we have a covenant relationship with God. Go read the book of Hebrews. It talks a lot about covenants and promises that God made to his people. Hebrews 4 and 16 says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we will receive mercy and find grace to help us in our hour of need. Jesus paid the price for you to come boldly to the throne of grace today. That means coming no matter what situation I'm going through in my life, I don't have to get good enough for Jesus to allow me to come into the throne room. All I have to do is know Jesus and he makes the way. He opens the door for me to come in. The Bible said when Jesus gave up the ghost, he says in his finished Scripture tells us that the veil of the temple was rent. We were no longer having to go to a priest to ask for forgiveness. Jesus became the high priest. We ought to be shocked on that. Because Jesus made it, David, where I didn't have to go to a priest. And I didn't have to get a covering for my sin. Jesus took my sin for me and, gave, and put it as far as the east is from the west. Because of what he did on the cross. The Bible said he that knew no sin became sin for us. He was the propitiation of our sin, the covering of our sin. Hebrews 11 and 6 says this. How many of us know that we must be a people of faith to please God? Yes. So a pastor proved it. Hebrews 11 and 6 says. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. It is impossible for the church to please God without faith. I'm going to say it again. You cannot please God unless you're exercising faith. How many of us know that if we eat a lot of high carb and sugar foods and we don't exercise, we're going to do what? Look at your preacher. He's a big guy. He likes to eat. Come on. You know what happens when I eat too many carbs and too much sugar and don't get exercise? I'm going to do what? Put on weight, right? Because my body is not burning when I come on, I'm being real. I got I've got a 280-pound example in front of you this morning. Come on. If I don't burn more than I take in, I'm gonna put on weight. How many of us know that faith moves God? If you don't exercise that faith, it's not gonna grow. You say, Well, Pastor, why do you always say God's gonna give a harvest at late you? Why do you always say God's going to... Look at what God's done in seven short years here at Lakeview. Look at what God's done. You say, well, Pastor Rex, you brag on God. Talk about things that 
things that we can't see yet. Because I believe that faith is the evidence of things hopeful. Yeah. The substance of things hopeful. The evidence of things not seen. You're not going to get it until you start believing for it. Yeah. Come on. I might as well just preach myself happy today. Let me tell you something today, church. If you want God to move, you have faith in God. Exponential faith. Extraordinary faith. The disciples were known as, who David? Extraordinary men of God. They walked by people. And their shadow healed people. They spoke and things happened. How many remember the centurion? He came to Jesus. He had authority. He was a high officer in the military. He said, Centurion said, Lord, my child's sick. But you don't even have to come to my house. You know what you can do? Just say the word. You know what he was had? Extraordinary faith. Remember the woman with the issue of blood that spent all she had and she had only got more sick and more sick and she was about to die and she was doing everything and drumming every bit of strength she could just to get to Jesus. She had something called faith. Extraordinary faith. And Jesus didn't tell her, oh lady, because you're down to your last whim of hope, because you don't have any more strength left, I'm going to heal you. No, he said, your faith has made you whole. Go and be well and be whole. Let me tell you something today, church. You need to understand Jesus gives each and every one of us without a theological degree, without a bishop's doctrine, come on, without an exhorter's license or an ordained minister's license, he gives you the authority to have extraordinary faith. Yes. He gives you the authority to what he did. Now, y'all ought to be happy today because I'm not beating you up. That's coming a little later. But we, we understand in the times that we live in that this word faith is relative. Come on. People say, well, I have faith. You have There's a lot of people that have faith. There's a lot of people that had faith in the government. There's a lot of people that have faith, come on, in their job. There's a lot of people that have faith in relationships that are now broken. Come on. There's a lot of people that put faith in things that, that won't hold up. But there's one named Jesus Christ who sits at the right hand of the Father this morning. We can place our faith in Him and His promise is told you to never fail me. That don't mean it's always going to go the way I want it to go. That means that God will never fail me. And the closer I get to Jesus is not that I get more of what I want. It's that my spirit relinquishes itself to the will of God and I get more of what He wants. See, the problem with modern Christianity today is people want God, Jesus, to save them and follow them instead of them taking up their cross and following him. I was watching a video the other day, uh, and I showed Jennifer this, of a Christian movement that's becoming very prominent. And you can imagine why in America today, because we like prosperity called Progressive Christianity. And I watched, went to the website, and I watched this church, it had a Christian name, and I watched these two pastors that were in there having a discussion about Progressive Christianity. The first thing he said is that the Word of God is irrelevant to the times we live in. It does not work anymore. We invite in all people of all faiths and all genders. We accept everyone. Can I tell you, whoever comes through those doors, we're going to welcome them in. But as long as I'm here, we're going to tell them the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, well, Pastor Rex, you mean you're going to hate people? No, Jesus didn't tell us to hate people. He said, you will know, they will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. But we don't convolute or dilute the gospel of Jesus Christ. That all of us are born into sin. We didn't choose that, but we're born into sin. And if we don't accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, when we leave this earth, we're going to hell. Amen? Amen. Isn't that what we teach? We believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and the Trinity. They all three work together as one. They all three complement the other. You know what Jesus said? 
I don't speak of what I speak. I speak of what the Father speaks. And the Holy Spirit's going to come after I leave. It's going to lead you into all truth. It's going to speak and confirm what I speak. So we don't do that. But anyway, I was watching this and they began to talk about one of them said his grandfather was a similar God. His dad and mom were similar God pastors and workers. And how the Bible contradicted itself. I'm just being real. This is what they, I, I can show you the video. The other said that his grandfather was a free will Baptist pastor. And all he ever did was steer me into the altar. Can I tell you the truth this morning? Because I want you to have a transferable faith. You can reject God and you can blaspheme him and you can bust hell right open when it's like That's right. Not because God puts you there, hear me today, church, but because you made a choice. Yes. Because people make a choice. I've had people that want me to change what I preach and accept things that are ungodly and the things that God calls an abomination. I will not do it. And you say, well, Pastor Rick, Sin, sin, sin was sin in the Old Testament. Sin was sin when the disciples walked this earth, and sin is still sin today, and we will be judged for it. Am I supposed to preach like this? Yes. In the last days, we're supposed to stand and and scream it from the highest mount. Come on, isn't that what Jesus said? We're supposed to tell people the truth. And you say, Well, Pastor, I don't hear a lot of love in that. The reason we're telling people the truth is because we love them. That's the truth. We love people. We want them to know him. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. He said, well, Pastor, after about 10 minutes, I turned that off. Because you know what I saw? I saw two people that were deceived by the spirit of the Antichrist. You know what the Bible said? I turned it off. And I said, how many people? And it showed the video. And all the little kids that were in that church and all the families if these people don't find Jesus they're going to have the blood of these children and these people on their hands because they're preaching heresy right. and you say well Pastor Rex why are you pointing out things like that because the progressive Christian movement is right around our doorsteps you can get saved and do anything you want to do if you get saved and do anything you want to do and there's no change, you're not saved. Amen. Did I just say that? You don't go. If you get saved, you come to this altar and you give your heart and life to the Lord. You say, Pastor, I know this is hard this morning. You give your heart and life to the Lord and you get up in here and there's no change. You need to come back and try again. Amen. So I'm here. Thank you, Tracy. But the truth of the matter is that I'm going to give an account for what I preach. And you will. What you witness to other people and tell other people. Let me talk to you about five different kinds of faith this morning. There's something called the lukewarm faith. The church deals with it all the time. You know what lukewarm faith is? I'm in, I'm out. I'm in, I'm out. I'm in, I'm out. I could build a church with all the I'm ins and I'm out. Church would be full. We'd already be building a sanctuary right over here. If all the ins and outs had decided to stay. Jesus called it a lukewarm faith. And when he said, if you're lukewarm, I would rather you be hot or cold. Because if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. You're talking about the same Jesus pastor that loves everybody. He also looked at the religious people of the day and he called them dead men. You're whitewashed. You look like tombstones. You're whitewashed. You look good on the outside. But on the inside, you're defiled and full of dead men's bones. Jesus looked at the religious and told them they were. That's what put him on the cross. Come on. His own people turned on him. Let's talk about another faith. I'm going to try to stay up here so I can move through what about an abstract faith? What is abstract faith? Come on, people, help me today. I believe God is out there, but I really don't know him. I just believe in a higher being. 
I believe, let me just heard this. I believe in the big man upstairs. All people are really good, and when we die, we're all going to heaven as long as we're good. If you don't know Jesus, when you die, you're not going to heaven. Not because I said it, because the word of God said it. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. That's what scripture says. So you say, well, pastor, are you trying to scare me this morning? If that's what gets you saved, you better believe it. If you don't know Jesus this morning and I scare you into salvation, that'll work. That'll work. You say, well, Pastor Rex scared me to death and you standing before Jesus one day and Pastor Rex scared me and the Holy Spirit drew me to that altar. Can I tell you that'll work? That'll work. When you stand there and you're able to walk through those gates full and free because of the price that Jesus paid on Calvary, can I tell you that'll work? Yeah. Man, I could make a song out of that. Sounds like a country song, huh? Man, I don't know where that came from. That was extras. I told you about progressive Christianity. They believe that the Bible is irrelevant. It's not true. It contradicted itself. It was written by ignorant men. Some of these men were ignorant, but the Bible says the Holy Spirit moved upon them. And as the Holy Spirit moved upon them, let me give you a little education about the disciples. There wasn't but two of them educated. Remember Luke, the doctor? He was educated, but he was kind of a smart at David. Everybody remember Peter? Peter was an arrogant fisherman, vulgar mouth. Yet he preached after being converted and filled with the Holy Ghost. And he preached and thousands come to know the Lord. Remember this, these two guys called the Sons of Thunder? They like to WWD and get up there and bust people's heads. Come on off the top rope. Y'all didn't think I was going to do that, did you? Didn't know my legs would still move that fast. In other words, they like to stir it up. They probably went to the clubs and shut it down. They were called the Sons of Thunder. But yet they preached and laid hands on people and demons come out. Come on. Jesus took people that nobody else wanted and he turned the world upside down because they had a transferable thing. And you say, well, pastor, is God going to do that in the last days? If we'll get under the faucet. If we'll lay it off into the river, he'll do it in the last days. But it's going to take me becoming less of me and being like more of him. That's what it's going to take. What did John say? When he saw Jesus, he said, look, here comes the man that comes to take away the sins of the world. Whose sandals I'm not even worthy to unbuckle. I must decrease and he must increase. Jesus wanted him and allowed John the Baptist to baptize him. But John the Baptist felt unworthy. But Jesus bragged on John the Baptist. He talked about how good of a man he was. Yet John the Baptist didn't feel worthy to baptize Jesus. But you want to know what John the Baptist, what happened to John the Baptist because he had a transferable faith? The Bible says that John the Baptist prepared the way of Jesus, didn't it? You know what scripture says? He was the voice in the wilderness saying, prepare you for the coming of the Lord. And the very, and I know this is ugly, I don't want to sound gruesome, but the moment John the Baptist's head rolled is the moment he saw Jesus face to the Father face to face. Because he had something called a transferable faith. He did not consider his life to be any value. How many of us would stand if they come in here this morning and say, die or believe? You say, well, Pastor Rex, that would never happen. This happened in America before. If I remember talking about in Colorado years ago, the young lady that had to give her life because she told him she was a believer in Jesus. You say, Pastor Rex, you really try to scare us now. I want to talk to you about another kind of faith. How many of us have ever heard of people that believe in spiritualism? What is spiritualism? Spiritualism is a pretty word for witchcraft. I've had conversations with teenagers. I used pastor for years. They would have seances. Come on. They talk about me, how things on table. Tell me, Pastor Rex, these things would move across the table. And when we would talk and burn those candles, 
those Ouija boards would spell out certain, they would hear voices. And they felt like they were talking to people that were dead or coming back and talking to them. You know, they were talking to somebody. The Bible says that we were they were talking to demons. And you say, well, Pastor Rich, do you believe in ghosts? No, I don't believe in ghosts. I believe what the Word of God says. The Word of God says that demons disguise themselves as angels of light. Am I getting scary to you? Yeah. People believe in talking to dead people. You're not talking to that dead person. You know who you're talking to? You're talking to a demon that's disguising themselves as that dead person to entertain you to get you to go deeper. Yes. Oh, I was going to preach about that. It's called witchcraft. Black fingernails, black hair, everything's black. Really quiet. It's all around us. Your kids, your kids see it every day at school. They see it every day at school. It's real. People believe in it. Spiritualism. Tarot cards. Oh, I'm going to read my cards. You want to know what's going to happen to you in the future? Open that up right there. Amen. This is going to tell you what's going to happen to the church. It's going to tell you the ones that are not the church what's going to happen. I don't have to go read a tarot card or pay somebody $400 to sit there with a fake crystal ball just taking your money and manipulating your mind. I can open the Bible and it will tell me what's going to happen tomorrow. If I live for Jesus, I'm going to make heaven my eternal home. If I, if I give God what he is, he's going to bless me. He said, well, Pastor Rex, I don't know about all this preaching you're doing right now. Hear what I'm saying. It's time to lay the axe at the root of the tree. Yes. It's time to tell people the truth. The truth is that there's a lot of things that's crept into our lives that we need to let go of. We need to put it on the blood. There's this thing called universalism. You might know what universalism is. Very prominent. They believe that there's more than one way to God. If God's so good, then how can Jesus be the only way? Because the Bible says that Jesus is the only way. I read an article the other day. Anybody ever heard of the Barna Group? George Barnard Group is they do research for churches all over America. Do you know that now 48% of Bible, 48% of Bible believe of professing Christians don't believe the Bible is truth in America? You're not a Christian if you don't believe the Bible is truth. Because you don't believe it or I don't believe it. And you say, well, Pastor, you're saying, I, when I say you, I'm talking about anybody. If we don't believe that the Bible's true, we're not really Christians. Because our very faith is built on the truth that the Bible is truth. And I, whether I believe it or not doesn't change the reality that the Bible is true. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Anybody know what Jesus was known as at the beginning of the earth when God was forming this earth? Jesus was there and the Holy Spirit was there. Jesus was known as the Word. Remember that? John talks about it in John 1. He was there at the beginning. Jesus didn't have a backup plan when Adam and Eve fell into sin. Jesus was the plan. He didn't have to get a backup plan. Talk about one more. How many of us know about New Age? You know what the New Age movement is? I don't know. Maybe take this and down. Let me talk about this one. You know what New Age believes? They believe that we're all gods. I'm a, pretty, I'm a pretty good wretch, but I'm a pretty bad guy. And my wife might agree with that, but I'm a pretty good wretch. I'm pretty good at what I do. Good at it. <laughs> you know what that is? That's an idol. That's idol worship. That's making me making myself bigger than God. When my whole life is about as following a follower of Jesus is making Jesus the Lord of my life. And as John said, him increasing and me decrease. What's about? What Apostle Paul said when he's about to be martyred for the faith. I haven't attained it yet, but this one thing I do, 
I forget what's behind me and I press on toward the mark of high calling and prices. Theologians tell us that the Apostle Paul sprinted to his death. Because they wouldn't, listen, you know what Paul, I think what Paul was saying, the old hymn, y'all may not remember this. You young folks don't remember the old hymn. Y'all remember the old hymn we used to sing in the old Pentecostal churches? The world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. I can just imagine the Apostle Paul hopping along. You know, the world didn't give me my faith. And the world can't take it away. I'm fixing to see Jesus face to face. You said, well, Pastor Rex, was there probably some fear there? Yeah, fear of the pain of going through what he was going to go through. But he knew in just a moment he was about to see the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. He was about to have a meeting with the Lord of all lords. New Age didn't give him that because that wasn't a transfer of faith. Only Christianity could give, could give Jesus that. And then we have this one that a lot of people know about. Last one of the faiths. Now there's many more, but only five that I'm touching on today. It's called an associated faith. My grandmother was a believer. My grandfather was a believer. My mom and dad were believers. And I'm just going to heaven because my mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and nanny and pop. Realize how many people is not in church today because they believe that I got to get that, that, that granny and papa's going to get me there. Can I tell you, each one of us have a soul, and each one of our souls is going to spend eternity somewhere. And I can't get in on Karen's faith or Jason's faith or Jennifer's faith or DC and Sarah Hare's faith. But what I can get in on is that me accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and turning from my sins and being a follower of Jesus. I have a guarantee. I am sealed to the day of redemption because of what Jesus Christ done for me. Think about that for a moment. I can trust in that. And you say, well, Pastor Rich, are you belittling grandma and grandpa's and mom? No. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul was encouraging Timothy and saying, you know what, Timothy? What I want you to do is remember what your grandmother and your mother taught you. That's right. I want you to stir up the gift that they planted in you. So I'm talking to parents today. Is your faith transferable? Do your children see enough of Jesus in you to believe? It's kind of sober, isn't it? Do they see you? Listen, not one of us in here is perfect. Not even me. Jennifer would tell y'all all different. Best ranks ever. But we can sit here and we can try to get in on somebody else's faith or we can accept the promise that whosoever will, let him come. You know what Jesus said? That John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him is he. Whoever. That's the whoever. We're a whosoever. Would not perish, but have everlasting life. And this promised in 3.17, for he didn't come into this world. You say, well, Pastor Rich, you talked about condemnation. No, I'm talking about what people believe that's false. He didn't come into this world to condemn this world, that this world through him might be saved. It's a choice. You say, well, Pastor, does God make me do anything? No, he don't. Does he love me? Yes, he did. He gave his son to show how much he loved us. I want this thing called transferable faith. You say, well, Pastor, tell me what transferable faith is. Transferable faith is this. Genuine, sold out, imperfect, but on fire, willing to serve, willing to give, willing to live, Placing the needs of others before myself, I have been put here and saved to impact my world for his kingdom. People know I'm imperfect, but I'm real. What do people want? I want somebody to be real with It's time to quit talking about the weather and talk to people about eternity. It's time to quit kicking things to the side and tell people the truth. In love. I need to do it in love. You say, well, Pastor, you about a lot of people that and talk and mention a lot of people that are not followers of Jesus because if we love them, we'll tell them the truth. Amen. Charles Spurgeon said it like this. 
if people are deciding to go to hell, then the church needs to stand at the gate and yell for them to turn around. If people are deciding to walk away from the faith, you know what scripture said in the last days? There'll be a great falling away. How many of us know people that used to be in church and not in? Falling away, last days. You say, Pastor Rex, you scared me a little bit. Jimmy Evans says about this in his book. What's the name of the book? Somebody tell me. Tipping point. I want to say ending point. The end is here. You say, well, Pastor, you're trying to scare me? No. You got kids, you got family, you keep living, you keep planning, you keep loving, but you keep looking. We're in the end of the last of the last days. And it's not because I said it, it's because the Bible says it. Not because prophetic teachers say it, it's because the word says it. Men will be lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God. Heady, high-minded, murderers, adulterers. Ever coming, ever increasing in knowledge, but never coming to the knowledge of the real truth. What's the real truth? That Jesus Christ is the only way to have salvation. That's the real truth. That's the real truth. What does faith do? Genuine, transferable faith will change people's lives. How many of you remember the widow in 1 Kings? Remember this guy named Elijah? She's out gathering up a few little sticks to make a fire. And Elijah says, go get me a cup of water and bring me a cake. She says, as the Lord lives, we're going to make this cake and I'm going to feed it to my son and we're going to die because this is it. This is all. Elijah says something bold that sounded crazy to her. But he had something inside her called transferable faith. He said, before you give your son a cake or you eat one yourself, go cook me one and bring me one. Who is this guy? Look at this fat preacher coming to me. This arrogant guy telling me to cook. No, she didn't. She went and obeyed the man of God because she knew what? He was a man of God. And she made a cake for him and she gave him some water, the Bible said. And the Bible tells us because of her transferable faith for three and a half years until the drought ended, the cup, the flour barrel and the cup never ran dry. It's called transferable how many remember the story of Naaman, the leper? Anybody remember that? Naaman was a leper. He's also a high political leader. And the prophet Elisha, anybody know who Elisha was? Elisha was Elijah's understudy. He took over after Elijah was done. And Elisha comes up to Naaman and sends a word to Naaman. He says, I want you to go dip into the Jordan River seven times. Seven times I want you to dip into the Jordan River. And when you come up, you're going to be clean. You know what Naaman said? There's other rivers in Damascus that are a lot cleaner. Why would I go dip into the nasty Jordan River? He didn't have this thing called faith. This is the importance of having a church family. I'm through right here. The Bible said that his servants come to him and said, if God told, if the man of God told you to do something prestigious, you would do it. Why won't you do this? And he's dying of leprosy. And he went and he dipped in the Jordan River seven times, and the Bible says that he was made whole. Naaman didn't have transferable faith, but he had somebody around him. That's the reason we need each other. And I know you said, well, Pastor Reg, you preached pretty hard this morning. And you called some things out. But we're coming into a time, and we're here as a church, that we need to be able to tell people the truth. Mm -hmm. You know what? I love everybody here. I wouldn't be telling you the truth. Amen. We need to understand there's a lot of names out there. They think they got it all together. 
But the leprosy and the things of this world is eating away every day. Come on. Anybody know anybody like that? What about the widow? She's down to nothing. There's people right around our doorsteps every day. They're out of hope. They don't have any finances. They've gone through broken relationships after broken relationship after broken relationship. But the man of God says, I'll tell you what, give me a cup of water and make me a cake. And all of a sudden, maybe God puts you in their life to tell the story. So, well, Pastor, how does that how does that relate to them? Anybody ever heard the cliche, when you share your story, he gives God glory? Yes. There's people that God puts in our lives or is going to put in our lives this year that need to hear your story. You say, well, what's my story? What is, I don't know. What is your story? I know that God will place people in your lives if you ask them to, to share your story. And I guarantee you, the majority of them have gone through or going through the same thing that you've gone through. That's where we're at. It's real. You said, Pastor, are you perfect? No, I'm just red. That's who I am. Are any of us perfect? No. Just because we know Jesus don't mean we're perfect. I guarantee you, I've said some things today that probably were imperfect. I probably misspoken a couple of times today. But what I have told you to my best ability is the truth. Is that Jesus Christ is the only way. Right. And that people are hurting and broken. What are we going to do about it? What is the church going to do about it? How many people is God going to put in your life this year that you need to share your story with? There's people that God's put in my life this year to share my story. God's opened up numerous doors in the past two weeks for me to share my story. Didn't even ask Miss Tracy, just God opened the door. Next thing I know, I'm telling somebody about Jesus. That's what God does. There's no, there's no mistakes. How many just know there's no outcast to God? God cares about everybody. I said all that to say this today. God loves this world so much that he's still got a church here that's put here to reach people and help people. The slogan of this church, the mission statement of this church is reach, revive, restore. That's the vision God gave us five or six years ago, five and a half years ago now. Reach, revive, restore. Reach them, he'll revive them, and the Holy Spirit will restore them. You say, well, pastor, do people need restoration? I need still need restoration. I don't know about you. There's things that in my life that God hasn't healed yet, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. Thank God I'm on a journey. You know, I don't want to be one of those people that think I'm a bride because I haven't. As long as I'm here, I'm learning. Amen? So the truth is, I want to have a truth of transference. Well, I'm gone, and Jennifer's gone if the Lord tarries. I know I already got a little grandchild coming. We'll see. You know what I want to be doing? I want to be telling people about Jesus. Kind of transferable faith. My kids are already doing it. I'm proud of my kids. You say, well, Pastor Rich, you brag on your kids. I brag on all my folks all the time. I brag on y'all, y'all don't even know about it. I tell people all the time, I got the best church in the world. You know, I got people that love people, you know. I have people tell me all the time, when I come to Restoration Church, everybody just makes me feel like I'm at home. Isn't that the way it's supposed to be? Yeah. Isn't that the way the church is supposed to be? Supposed to love everybody? And you say, well, Pastor Rich, you know, sometimes you preach a little hard. I do. It's because I love you. That's right. Would you rather me tell you and sugarcoat you something and let you go wrong? Because there's a lot of sugarcoating going on now. There's a lot of this where you can just live any kind of way you want to live and do anything you want to do. Everything's going to be all right when it's not. Not what the Word says. Truth is, we need to be real with people. How many want to have a transfer of faith? The Bible says it like this. I thought about it. About a year and a half ago now, when my mom 
I'll obey the Lord. I remember being at the church that night for a visitation. And Miss Tracy, for three hours, three hours, people constantly come in that church paying tribute to my mom. You say, you bragging about your mom? Yeah, my mom was a godly woman. And they just kept coming. They kept coming. You know what my mama did for a living? She cooked at a jail. She was the cook for Choctaw County. And I can't tell you, Lily, how many young men come up to me that night and say, I wouldn't be alive today if it wasn't Miss Stephen. She loved me every day just like I was her own. She gave me extra beans and an extra piece of chicken, and she'd tell me, now get out of here, don't come back. Not telling me not to come back and eat. Get out of this jail when you get out. Don't you come back. You go do something. You go. God's got better for your life. He said, I had one guy come up to me and says, your mama grabbed me by the hand and I was had been strung out on crack cocaine for a month. And she grabbed me by the hand and she grabbed me by the hand one day and she prayed for me. And she began to talk to that spirit that had me bound. This is a man standing up there. He says, I would not be alive today if it wasn't for sin. Let me tell you something. They wouldn't, didn't have a minister have to get in that pulpit that day and say anything about my mama. Because you know what I knew what my mama did? She had, that, had something called transferable faith. She told people the truth. And she loved people that nobody else cared about. You know what pushes me on? I want to see her again. Bible says one day when we get to heaven, we're going to know and we would know. I mean, how many's got somebody there you want to see? That's transferable faith. When I see her son and daughters worshiping and working in churches and grandkids following on and continue to work and worship and to follow Jesus, that's called transferable. That's the real deal. Was my mom perfect? No, she was a very imperfect person. But she was a very humble person and she believed in the power of prayer. Don't ask my mom to pray for you if you don't want her to pray for you because she's just going to roll it out. She wouldn't say a thing in the world to hurt you, but I tell you what she could do, she could read your mail. I remember coming in one night, coming after drinking, coming in at 2 o'clock in the morning. One of the few times I ever drank in my life. <clears throat> she was up. I walked in the door. Her house had a long hallway out. And my house, I could go into an in room of my house and come up and up there. I don't know why I'm sharing. Somebody's here. But I come in that end door. I was trying to sneak in, Jason. There was a hillside. Anybody knows there's been in my mom and dad's house. There's a hillside. I left my car, I turned it off, and I left it roll on the top of the hill. Turned it off so we made noise. And we turned it off and I let it roll into the parking spot. And I cracked the door open and I eased me in. I didn't hear mama do what I had to do. Come in there and say anything. You know what I heard? God, you keep your hand on my boys. You save my boys. And then I heard her praying in the head of the right. <laughs> You know what I felt? The conviction of the Holy Spirit. I felt the power of my mom's prayers. The next morning, seven o'clock, my daddy got me up to go cut firewood day, and I was going to leave. And didn't want them to know, so you know what I was doing? I was trying to get those grits and eggs down the best I could. My daddy didn't say that he knew too. You know what he had this thing called spiritual discernment, folks? You know what she said? She walks over there and she puts my biscuit on the plate. And usually they knew something was wrong because I had those four or five biscuits gone by there and I was just trying to work the first one down. She grabbed my hand and she says, Call for the Lord to get out of the business. Never forgot it, Jesus. I looked at her in that casket. I could hear 
Transfer She was done again. She was on the other side. That body was just something we were going to honor. There were people in that church that night finding Jesus, and she was already going to heaven. You say, that's transferable faith. I want a faith like that. And so, well, Pastor, you've done. You took us everywhere you can take us this morning. It's real, church. The faith that we live, the Jesus that we serve, he's real. Amen? He's real. I want a transferable faith. Misty, don't you quit doing what you do. Don't you get worried when Eli falls and cries. You know what you're doing? You're teaching him about a transferable faith. Cody and Cody and Cody. We're doing what you do on the road Keep showing them the way. I'll transfer them away. Being real. We're not perfect, but we're real. We're real. Don't let the distractions of this world sidetrack this church. Press into the Lord. Let's pray that the Father in Jesus' name. We love you. We honor you today. We pray today. We pray today that your Holy Spirit would change us. I pray today, Father, that you would help me to be a person of faith that when I walk in a room, people know that I'm a believer. I don't have to say anything. I just want to have a transferable faith. I want to be real. I pray for every person on the side of my voice today who loves you. I pray, God, today that we would be real. I pray that we would be humble. I pray that we'd surrender our lives completely. If my mom challenged me that day at breakfast, give it all to him. Surrender it all to him. Thank you for the Eunice's and Lois's in our life that Paul mentioned to Timothy, his grandmother and his mother, that had planted the seed of Jesus in our life. Moms and dads sitting in this room, grandparents sitting in this room today who have planted seed in their children's lives. God, I pray that we won't waver from that, that we won't be distracted from it, that we will pledge our, our lives to live for you, God. Those that have just weathered the storms and poured into people's lives, grandparents and parents that have just poured into life, I pray, God, that there will be a harvest there. We love you, God. We honor you. We praise you. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all of our loved ones who have made a way for us to have life and it to the full. That have made the way to show us Jesus and you've given us life and given it to the full. But they showed us the way to you. They lived it in front of us. Thank you for that. God, I pray for those who need comfort today. I pray for those who need strength. I pray for those that need healing in their life. Those who are walking through difficult times. In Jesus' name, that you would give comfort and hope and healing. And you are the God of restoration. You are the God of more than enough today, Holy Spirit. And we ask you to do a work in us and through us today. We surrender everything we have to you today. We give it all to you today. We're going to be real. We're going to be real. We're going to live it in front of our kids. We're going to live it in front of our neighbors. We're going to be real with people. We're going to love them unconditionally. Lord, you love us unconditionally. If we fail you 70 times 7 in a day, you still love us, God. The truth is that you left the 99 to find the one. That's the truth. And you will do it through us. Lord, help us understand, grasp, as Paul said, how wide, how deep, 
just how vast is the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That's our prayer today when we see that. I pray that if we don't know you, we commit our lives to you today. If there's something we holding, withholding from you, God, or covering up, that we surrender it to you today. Forgive us of our sins and our shortcomings and our failures. Break strongholds and generational curses in this place today. In the mighty name of Jesus. Meet needs and lives at heart. Take away fear and anguish and anxiety today. In Jesus' name, over your body of believers. In Christ's name we ask it. Give healing today. We speak peace to situations right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.